This portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code, your best lawn ever guaranteed it's lawn doctor of rhode island you can call them 401-392-1025 but log on to their website lawndoctor.com you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm can always listen online at the website dipetro.com i don't know if you've noticed certainly a lot of bank robberies uh there's a lot of bank robbery robberies lately and you had the bank that, in fact, was uh, robbed Saturday morning in Pawtucket. You have Bank Rhode Island that was robbed um, in East Greenwich. The one in Pawtucket, Newport Avenue, Webster Bank. Now, I believe what they both have in common is a lot of these smaller banks, they don't provide they don't have security guards if you go into uh many times depends on the bank but different banks have a security guard standing there and they'll ask you what brings you into the bank today um and and i believe that acts as a deterrent for the life of me some of these smaller banks i don't know why i mean what are we talking about there are people that would do that job i believe there are 15 dollars an hour isn't it worth it? $20 an hour? Maybe just use it for the morning. But there's definitely a pattern. The bank in Pawtucket was first thing when the bank opened on Saturday morning. Again, you can see that story on dipetro.com. A lot of the media, um, it's skeleton crews on the weekend. So they don't cover something like that. But we did get the information about it. Uh, I, I, and I think, you know, I think I heard they got away with like $14,000. So it's not 500000 They're not going into the vault. But still, you know, that's going to survive them. But then then you had Bank RI was, was also robbed. So I think more and more as things get um, somewhat, people get desperate. People have drug problems. People need to feed their drug problems. Some of these smaller banks and credit unions, I... I don't understand why uh, you would not, you know, I, I would even argue but you probably don't even need them during like the midday, the lunch hour, 11 to 1 or 12 to 2 or something like that. Maybe you do just have someone for the full day. But I, I don't understand why they don't have more uh, bank security because I, I think it would, uh, I, I'm just saying it would act as a deterrent. Many times these situations seem to be a deterrent. Now, also, it's kind of interesting on the Facebook page. We've started posting things about some of these homeless encampments that are popping up. And I'm interested, and I find it interesting, I should say, some of the comments that people put, such as, no one in America should be without a home. Now, that, that all sounds good. But as I try to explain to people, what, what you're talking about is that's how things are in cuba that's how things are in venezuela we don't have that system um now you could just argue and so many times when people see this um they they talk about how terrible it is and these people are in house and i get it housing is definitely a problem but it's a problem here it's not a problem everywhere i mean think how how did the country expand people would go out west for the the gold rush people started moving to silicon valley during the dot-com boom i think people need to realize that maybe they need to be a little more mobile and there's other places where they could live more affordably um, but just the notion no one they don't seem to understand who would pay for that we're already overtaxed why why should other people pay for you to have a house now i fully get just it, it and other people say the state should be building more low-income housing it is not it, it it's not folks it's supply and demand people have a a, a a basic misunderstanding of the role of government 
every person in the United States should have a house. Every person has the opportunity. The people that say that would be the first ones to complain if they were making money, that the government's taking too much money from them. You know, that, that system doesn't work. That's why Venezuela collapsed. That's why communism does not work. It sounds good, but there's a problem with all these encampments. And I also want to point out to people that it is a nationwide problem. It should not be tolerated or allowed, but it is an element of supply and demand. I think a basic function of this is, and this is to me the line in the sand for a lot of people. What a lot of people have to recognize is there are some people that they do not want to work. They choose not to work for whatever reason. People can talk about anxiety. People can talk about various injuries that they have, um, <clears throat> various things that are going wrong. But our system is built and works most effectively. If, if you have a job, you're paid. And it's an old formula. And 25% of what you make should go to either your mortgage or your rent. And if people would just follow that, but I think a big part of the problem is, and, and I'm not denying that housing is, is expensive, but a big part of the problem is people don't want to use, and first of all, they don't want to work. And there's more and more people saying, I'll just figure out a way off the system. And the longer they're out of the workforce, the harder it gets and becomes to return them to the workforce. So that's not that's not a positive uh, development in in any way but this notion but what what else when people get that money they they don't pay their landlord they decide i want to go gambling i want to buy drugs i want to buy booze i want to get a tattoo i want to go on a trip i want i want i want i think we need to reinforce so many of these individuals they're not employed and some element of employment. And maybe it doesn't matter where you start out. Then you could get promoted. There are people, there are people that work two jobs. And they don't have time to be around all day, hang around complaining. They're working. And they may work six days a week. And they may have a regular job. And they have a job at night that they work. So there is a difference. And then the people that just, there's nowhere for them to go. You know, as I've been posting some of these pictures and video on the Facebook page, some of these people are saying, so which, so where, where should, you know, if the state kicks these people out of an encampment, where, where, where do you, where's the state going to put them? Why is the state going to put them anywhere? They're adults. They should be fending for themselves. I recognize there, there are exceptions. And that's why we have safety nets. We have safety nets built in to catch a lot of those people but the problem is there's too many people to me that are then taking advantage of the safety nets so it, it is a matter there's always going to be exceptions there's always going to be exceptions there's always going to be someone that truly runs into a hard time or falls on hard times and then does need the services but more and more and it it really if you talk to businesses since covid when people were paid to stay at home, there's too many people that that has become, as they say, the phrase, the new normal. That has become their new normal. They don't work. They won't. They will not work. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't matter whether or not they want to, what have you, but they, they won't hold a job. How many business people say they can't find employees? Or even if they can, they can't find them to be reliable. Now, I've covered many of the homeless. I've interviewed homeless, and, and what do the home, some of the homeless do? They volunteer. And again, they're an adult, and it's not my place, but these homeless shelters that have homeless people volunteering, that, that should be a pipeline. I interviewed this guy. He would spend three hours a day helping a homeless shelter set up coffee, set up everything for the people to come in. And it was volunteer. Well, and, and actually maybe he, he was paid something small, like $25 a week. But that that's something that could be done for a coffee shop, a Dunkin' Donuts, what have you. And then you get start to get real money. And then maybe they're good at it. And then maybe they move up the chain. 
And then it has to start somewhere. These people volunteering. You don't have time to volunteer. You need to be working. I think this is a big component of the job. And there's so many defenders now of these people. I think some people are just, they're either naive or they're very parochial. And I fully understand. Listen, homeless problem, it is a, it's a, there's, a, there's homeless in Miami. On the West Coast, it seems to be the worst. Philadelphia is bad. Certain places, it can't be tolerated. You can't allow people to start camping out and setting up tents on sidewalks. You, you can't, they, they're not supposed to. The moment you allow one, there's three. When there's three, suddenly there's five. When I interviewed those homeless people at the state house recently, they said every time they go somewhere, an abandoned warehouse, or they find a place out in the woods, suddenly other people discover it and other people come along. And now it's like a big group. And they all have a common, by the way, they all have a common denominator, which is they don't work. But if you have two adults, some kind of a job, some income, find a place you find a way to make it work you find someone and say could i rent out your garage just for three months fifty dollars a month just till i get back on my feet just until i can save some money i mean just something something in that direction but we are um with the covid money running out and the lack of leadership from this governor the homelessness problem which and I, I completely acknowledge so much of not not so much of it is drug related. And and as I've said, there are many people that that that's what spiraled them. There are people that will have a, they have a homeless story, and ninety nine percent of the time it's tied to drugs, that they were hooked on something and something very severe, totally threw up their life, going into dumpsters and the whole thing. It's very rough. But the more we're going to allow these people to just set up these homeless encampments, there's nothing positive about it. There's nothing productive. They're not productive citizens. They contribute nothing to society. Someone that works every day, whatever type of job, and then has a small little cold water flat, and they go to work every day, and they get paid, and they pay their rent on time for their fifth floor, walk up cold water flat, they are contributing to society. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating, Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs, no matter how big, how small? Contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Joining us right now, folks, it's time for our segment, Politics This Week. It is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. And Justin, let's start off. I want to give credit Channel 12, WPRI. They have an uh, investigative team learned it's not a long story, but just so people understand, you had two, the way we understand this, two representatives from Rhode Island, director of administration, by the way, who is going to be leaving. But this was the Friday before St. Patrick's Day. They traveled to Philadelphia. This has to do with meetings regarding uh, refurbishing, redoing the Cranston Street Armory. He brings with him 
I think the best way to describe this individual, it's someone that isn't really known to the public, but so two people travel. One is Jim Thorson, director of administration. The other is David Patton, director of the Department of Administration Division. So something happens in Philadelphia that Patton says something during the course of the day. So it sounds like it wasn't just a one time that we're left to we're not sure exactly what was said. But when Thorson returns on Friday, he immediately goes to human resources because he recognizes that there's a problem. And then that Monday, Patton suddenly goes out on medical leave and he has not returned. The individuals in in Philadelphia, they're called Scout, I believe, uh, Limited. They sent an email. They were so incensed at the behavior of Patton to Governor McKee and Speaker Sakachi. Right now, no one is talking what is in the email. And where we stand is Governor McKee is blocking Channel 12 from getting the email. And that's where it picks up that something happened. This guy, quote, is out on medical leave, even though it, he's still obviously being paid. So let, let's start off talking about this little controversy that erupted with this state trip to Philadelphia. Well, there's there's so little we know about the actual incident. I mean, it could go either way. It could be, you know, you could imagine it being something uh, that just goes against the political correctness of our times and a very sensitive right. person on their staff went crazy and that's what started it all. Or it could be something, you know, really offensive and, and wrong that he, he did or just uh, poorly, poorly thought out jokes. Who knows? <clears throat> so there, there really shouldn't be controversy. I mean, in, and you, it's pretty easy to say this is a personnel matter. We can't release this at the moment. Uh, but the something about the way McKee handles things just makes these things yep. into into controversy, saying he hadn't read the email. I mean, how long does it take to read an email? Read it right. before you respond. I mean, just it gives some sense that you're on top of it. You'll release information when you can, but you've you got to be sensitive to what's going on. Maybe even a clue as to just what sort of thing we're talking about. But you don't get any of that. You just get this almost, almost just belligerent attitude of I'm not releasing it. I haven't read the email, etc. I so I it's it's just kind of surprising how McKee generates controversy from what seems like nothing in in maybe tone deaf response now a couple things about this justin is number one it sounds like thorson knew something was up because it's not the next week they're totally caught off guard uh when this email arrived from these people in philadelphia so much that they thought to compose it now there's a uh something that has been mildly reported is that jeff Britt who was involved with the Mattiello situation, Channel Lawton, he's the lobbyist now for this company. So, you know, is this a power play? Is this, you know, you don't know what's the political motivation. Do they feel that by drawing attention, making the administration feel defensive, it may kind of give them a position of strength? I mean, that part we don't know. Um, but just the fact that someone immediately goes on medical leave and that Thorson immediately went to human resources upon return leads me to believe that they, you know, I, how did this meeting go? And they represent the state. And just to follow up on you said, Justin, what, what, Governor McKee, they were down there representing the state. This business of I didn't read the email. I, I, it, that's your job to know what is like. It's He's so tone deaf, Justin, on his response to think that that gets him out of having to answer by just saying, I didn't read the email. Right. And, and it also begs questions like, okay, but do you know what it was about? I mean, right. you, you didn't, you don't necessarily have to read it to know what was said or what the controversy is. Uh, and that, it's just that sort of response makes you feel like he, he really does think people are, are stupid. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's just not, I mean, as I said, I can understand, you could even see it, it could be somebody um, Thorson could have um, come back. Thorson, sorry, could have come back and said that person was really angry. Uh, whatever he said, I didn't find offensive. Who knows? You know, right. maybe it was offensive. Maybe it was just the reaction from somebody on on Scout's part. We don't know. But there, there's so little need for controversy. It's just because it's that 
you're not just asked to say, look, this is personnel. We'll, we'll let you know when we can. It's you're asked to believe I don't I didn't read an email. I, I'm, I'm evading. And that especially for journalists, that, that's like blood in the water for sharks. When you start. Yes. Oh, I, I haven't read the email. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just, as you said, tone deaf and, and kind of an inept response. Yeah. And it, it may have been something just to put it in perspective that it was someone on the other end that was overly sensitive. Um Thorson identified that that this had turned into a problem. Maybe maybe it's one of those things you'll look at it and say, you know, in this day and age, Justin, someone could have been misidentified gender wise or didn't use the proper salutation. I'm thinking of the controversy in Massachusetts where that school superintendent, they rescinded the job offer because the guy used the word ladies and the two women on the school committee were not uh, they they didn't. They were highly offended by it. They called it a, a um, <clears throat> anyhow a, a a microaggression, and so therefore they rescinded his job offer. So you don't know if it's something like that. But again, to me, the thing about this is the McKee administration. They have a situation. It's not a major situation, we don't think, but but it's an unknown. And to me, he just fumbles the ball in knowing the proper way to handle it, or you know, coming out and saying, "I am aware of the situation," and there's legal reasons why I would not release an email, but I saw it. And, and either A, I tend to agree with them, or B, <clears throat> not sure exactly what, what, why they were so offended, but we're on top of it. But this thing where he becomes Sergeant Schultz, just I just think, is annoying. Now, also Channel 12 disclosed and discovered last night, or excuse me, last week, that Dan Connors, now he had been state senator. Um, he was part of the big you know, Montebano team. And from Cumberland, State Senator Dan Connors, and he was working in the Raimondo administration. And then he got nailed on a, a DUI where then he was trying to use his position to get out of it. He resigned immediately, if anything. If not, he would have been terminated. And without any fanfare, Governor McKee announces that Dan Connors is back. A uh, pretty well-paying job with the administration. I want to get your thoughts on that, Justin Katz. Right. Well, this is another one of those things where, you know, on its surface, you know, I don't know that that a potential drinking and driving situation combined with the do you know who I am response to the police should end a person's career. That's debatable. But just the whole the whole principle of the things in Rhode Island, he's a state senator. He was a Raimondo advisor. It's it's like they, they take care of their own. And on top of McKee being now pretty famously um, pretty pretty famously favorable to people from Cumberland. Uh, you know, it it shows you that what a small pool they have to draw from for these these high paying positions. And also, really, the thing I like to keep an eye on here is this is how they keep people in line. You you're once you're in with them, if you don't upset them, uh, they take care of you. You you've got your your high paying career in Rhode Island, whether you're bouncing from state office to uh, private campaigns to a nonprofit to a, an elected office. That's just the way it works in Rhode Island. And so you, there's this deep deep feeling of of people who get special treatment, even if it is reasonable that a guy after some years in the wilderness says, you know what, all right, I'm, I'm going to put my foot back into the game and, and get a state job again because I'm qualified. You know, that's, that's all fine, but it, it just comes with this kind of icky feeling of, of just insider special deals. And not, and not only that, but he, he has and is part of a law firm. So to me, what also just stands out is just the fact that they, they don't want to just be a normal attorney. They want that extra leg up. Um, you know, the, the, the state is filled with a, attorneys who are just out there trying to practice law. Then you have the attorneys who happen to be state reps, or then you have attorneys who are state senators. And, and that gives a, a, uh, an added advantage. And then you have someone like, um, uh, you know, Dan Connors, who, again, law office of Dan Connors. He wants, in fact, to not only have the state job, but also be able to practice law, you know, whenever that would be at night or on the weekends. But to me, Justin, it's all it's almost like having two jobs. It's the the daytime job where McKee would try to argue, you know, it's not that high. It's pretty well paying hundred and you know, 50 or something like that. 
But the added benefit is then the business that they can then direct into their law firm and the advantage of being at the state house. To me, I agree with you on Connors and and whether or not it's enough uh, to end someone's career. Uh, I think DUI is is one of those things that it's a forgivable crime simply because it's an identifiable. A lot of people think, oh, you know, there was the night that I left the restaurant. If I had been pulled over, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's it's more of it's a ticket back into the show. It's a ticket back to you're the insider. You get the inside track on things. You know when things are going down. Um, He doesn't want to to me. He doesn't want to compete in a regular world where he doesn't have that advantage. To me, it's almost like a a player that doesn't want to see what his baseball game would would be like if he was not like on steroids. They, yeah. they, right? They, they need to play with the advantage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you raise a great point. One, one other thing you, you get a sense of in Rhode Island is that a lot of these state jobs, how much are they really working? I mean, is this the kind of thing where if he has a private client, he has to go to court for a day, he can skip out and just, you know, still collect his paycheck from the state? You don't, you really don't know those things. It makes me think. I mean, you know, I'm involved in some, some, you know, working with lawyers in my. My daily work, and there are, I've I've run into issues where some of them will have a state job or a government job, and they'll want to they'll want to just have some side keep their keep their side practice going, and they're very very particular about what they can and cannot do. They they cannot act as a lawyer for other people because it would be potentially a conflict of interest, and you don't hear that much among the the lawyers in, in Rhode Island who work for the government. There's there seems to be no concern about that, and we've talked before about how, especially the ones who were Speaker of the House. If they're in front of a judge, the judge will say, Mr. Speaker, you know, that kind of thing yeah. in the courtroom. Uh, it's it's really the you'd think the Rhode Island bar would would pull pull the strings a little bit more tightly. So it doesn't feel like just, again, this this insider class that, that can do whatever they want. And there's it's almost like you're not allowed to question whether they're creating unethical circumstances by representing multiple people when they have state jobs. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Falcon Pest Services, 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Called Falcon Pest Services today, 401 739 1322. Free consultation, 401 739 1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401 739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz managing editor anchorising.com well justin um providence mayor brett smiley had a press held a press conference last week and i thought it was interesting because i do remember attending a press briefing where it was just providence police saying they were going to do something about these atvs that terrorize and they fill the city streets and mayor alorza basically tried to turn a blind eye to them until it really exploded uh, but immediately upon this press conference where mayor smiley and the chief of police are going to dedicate a team of people to track them down, which I think is a, a better approach. It's a proactive approach as opposed to someone who's on duty who then suddenly has to try to respond to it. In some way, this is the people are going to be working on it, uh, you know, investigative tools and so forth. But immediately after the announcement of it, these ATVs that do not belong on city streets, there was then pushback from both Black Lives Matter, uh, some other organizations and the ACLU. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about Mayor Smiley trying to go after a quality of life issue in the city of Providence. Well, to, to some extent, as far as I understand what the ACLU in particular is concerned about, is you know, the surveillance and the, that sort of thing. And I share a lot right. of those concerns. I mean, we don't want to get to where we've got television cameras everywhere on every square, square inch of the, the capital city 
just to deal with the excuses just to deal with ATVs and bikers. But what, what strikes me is the whole thing seems odd. Why do you need, I mean, they talk about the, working with the biking community and going undercover and is this, is this a gang? I mean, it makes me think of, uh, I don't know, police academy two citizens on patrol in the eighties, you know, it's like, like there's a gang and you got to infiltrate the gang of bikers. Is that really how it works? Or is it just a bunch of people doing things that they shouldn't be doing because they've been getting away with it. And uh, which leads me to wonder why we don't just have enough, say, beat cops, enough cops out there to give out tickets, pull a couple over, give them big tickets. Uh, if somebody runs away, you catch them, you, you charge them with evading, uh, evading arrest or, or whatever the term is. And you do that a couple of times. And I think you'll, you'll start to see it clear up unless this really is like uh, a euphemism for gang activity. And they just happen to bike for fun while they're really running, running, you know, full on gangs in the city. But the, that's what makes the whole thing feel so odd. I don't know what the, what the difficulty is here. Um, well, they're, they're tough to, they don't stop. And so when you have a pack of 25 of them and then you're trying to stop them, they, they can go on sidewalks, I mean, they, they elude police. They, they don't follow laws. They go through all the red lights. Uh, if any, you know, they, they are problematic because then they also, they're they are loud. They do wheelies. It is distracting in traffic, but it, it's, it's difficult for police to try to, to try to stop them simply because it's not like pulling over someone normally on a motorcycle. There's so many of them. Um, they did have an incident. I, I, I'm going to disagree. I, I think this is at least positive that Mayor Smiley's trying to uh, address this. I know that some of the the elements that got attention for the press briefing was the, um, you know, the elements of using the, the certain cameras, the flock cameras and and trying to track them a little bit. But it does seem when police are out chasing them, it's taking them away from doing other things. But they they can be a challenge for law enforcement to try to stop because there's so many and then they can circle around and you know i i have footage where the police in their car just can't maneuver the way they can on these atvs right well i mean and that's understandable but you know you you, you catch one or two and <laughs> charge them with evading police and, and that you can rack up the the penalties there so I, it feels like there's there's kind of a there's a i don't know a, a reluctance to really crack down because they'll they'll you get then you get the you know, the progressive lawyers and the the you know the trying to say this is this trying to trying to prevent the police from doing their job and and as you mentioned it I mean I I do recall it wasn't it was only a few years ago the 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 guy got in an accident trying to evade the police and the police came under big time fire for that huge and, uh, October and so, of 2020 yep. so in that in that way oh. we're we're kind of seeing the repercussions of kind of giving in and that progressive kind of attitude of, Oh, seeing racism everywhere. Somebody evading the police on an ATV got in an accident, got hurt. So what, we're not going to, we're not going to stop them. So it seems like that is really the, the core of the problem. And rather than digging into, and I, I agree, it's, it's good that Smiley's trying to do something, but um, the, rather than kind of, ratcheting up the secret police so to speak i mean providence won't even do that as much for gang violence anymore right so we're, so we're going to start doing it for atvs and bikers it just seems very strange to go down that path when really what we have to do is is be more assertive if you're breaking the law you're going to get a ticket if you try to evade the police you're gonna you're gonna be arrested and that's a pretty big penalty and if you if you get in an accident trying to evade the police sorry but that was really not a we're not going to just let this People, these people run rampant on a city because somebody might get in an accident trying not to be arrested. I mean, that's I, at some point you've, you've got to stop treating it like, you know, like you're, you're, you're going to do a big investigation and, and just admit these are people doing criminal things and they need to be arrested. And, and we need the news media to stop being so looking for these stories of the, the personal story of the guy who tried to get away from the police. I mean, that, right. that, that kind of just it really does start to affect quality of life. And when you can't crack down, I mean, it feels like a, a deteriorating, uh, deteriorating state or city. I mean, that's, that's what it starts to feel like things to falling apart and you need to, you need to get that under control because it just, it just will spiral as fewer people go into the city, fewer people start businesses there. Fewer that's people right. Want to live there. That's an excellent uh, point. And yes. so, so it's it, at some point, you know, 
I know we've, we're awash in progressives and Democrats in Rhode Island, but at some point they have to just say, no, sorry, we're not going to we're not exactly going to fall right. for the, the yep. sympathetic view. We've got to enforce the law because people are being affected. It's going to end up harming our city and lots yep. and lots of people. And you just don't get that attitude. It's like they no. want to pretend they want to pretend that doesn't exist. And not only that, just to finish the point, Justin, you know, that's how it all starts. The, you know, one person, you have two panhandlers at a red light and someone says, oh, who cares? There's only two of them. Well, two becomes four and four becomes 20 and 20 becomes 40. And the next thing you know, you have panhandlers at all these sites. Some homeless people pitch a tent and the progressives say, oh, who cares? It's just one tent. Well, then it's five tents and then it's 20 tents. And the next thing you know, they have these encampments of these people that are living outside. It all starts somewhere. It all starts with when you start to just allow just a little bit like the one time or who cares or it's not a big deal. And the next thing you know, it, that that's how it started. Oh, who cares? It's just a couple of ATVs. The next thing you know, and it's not once in a while, it's every night. And then it's later into the night and it just continues to go and go. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream. Build. Enjoy. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, apparently, uh, and Ted Nisi has been good about this of WPRI. He followed up with the Fed, and the Federal Reserve, they confirmed they received Governor McKee's letter, and that's all they would say about it. As he's, to me, walking around, thumping his chest, saying, that's right, I fired off a letter to the Federal Reserve. The lowest interest rates. Now, as you would put, the Wall Street Journal, as we had talked about, they highlighted that. Um, I, I, I don't recall. Maybe you know. I think Governor McKee said he had not seen the Wall Street Journal. I don't think it got played up enough locally, and I was disappointed the Rhode Island Republican Party didn't make hay with it. I mean, it is the Wall Street Journal, and it completely summed up exactly the situation that Governor McKee's in with the soccer stadium. So I'm just curious your thoughts on Federal Reserve and and we did tell you were actually the first one to mention the Wall Street Journal piece. Yeah, the well, I read McKee's letter and it just I don't know. On the surface, I guess there's nothing objectionable about a governor saying this these changes will have these negative effects. But the way it's written is almost as if you know the Federal Reserve knows these arguments. It's not like right. it's not like they're slapping their foreheads and saying, "Oh, this is going to harm people in Rhode Island." We didn't even think of that. I mean, it's just kind of, kind of, it's like almost like a a letter you'd send to a business. You know, I'm going to stop shopping there or something like that. I don't know, but it's it's just the. What, it's very what it, parochial. Very yeah, parochial. exactly, exactly. As if, as if the Federal Reserve is saying, "Okay, I care about you know this. We've got bigger things to do than worry about a million people in Rhode Island." You know, that's a, and a lot of the the implicit things. I mean, he, he talks in a letter about how 
you know, the borrowing costs are going to exclude people from the housing market. You know, that made me think of the the housing boom and the market crash in 08. That's exactly the attitude, in my view, that caused the problem was this idea, well, well, if you if they can't borrow, they can't have homes. Okay, well, we have to lower standards. We have to keep the rates down. But the implicit thing is he's saying we can't capitalize on all the free money we got from the Fed if we can't borrow at low interest rates. We are living on debt. That's what that says yeah. to me. We, he, he says he wants to do it. He's doing everything he possibly can to, to keep the economy afloat and, and get us moves forward. Well, no, you're not. You're doing, you're trying to do everything you can short of letting people just conduct themselves in a free economy. You're trying to borrow and keep the, the money train going for the special interests in the state, especially the labor unions. That's what he's trying to do. And I think somebody like the, the Federal Reserve chairman is going to see right through that, right through the letter and see, see, this is a politician trying to keep interest rates low so he doesn't have to deal with the consequences of public policy in Rhode Island. And that's something that should really bother Rhode Islanders. Do you th- what do you think of uh, Justin Katz on? I believe just talking about the Rhode Island Republican Party and especially the soccer stadium. I'm pretty sure last fall Channel 12 had a poll and the soccer stadium was. I, I think they were I, I'm going to I don't remember exactly, but I'm going to guess it was somewhere around 70 percent were against the stadium. Might even been like 75, 25 type of poll number. I believe that's the type of issue the Rhode Island Republican Party, uh, which we both want to succeed. But I think that's the type of thing where they should become the face of the opposition. And I I believe it's a a missed opportunity to not highlight the Wall Street Journal piece. I think the Rhode Island Republican Party, it should almost be if you're against the stadium, then, you know, consider yourself you then you're almost like a member of the Republican Party, Then you're a Republican, kind of like the old you know, there was the comedian used to do the thing. Then this makes you a redneck. If you da 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 and have a six pack in the bathtub, you are a redneck. I, I think they they could do more to highlight uh, what the party stands for. And that is the face of the opposition against these boondoggle type projects like the soccer stadium. I, I agree with you, although I have some sympathy and we've discussed often now in the past I don't know, four years or so, it's like the news media has given itself permission not to pay attention to people they sure. don't like. And so uh, it's almost, I, I don't know how much traction they'll get. And the uh, part of it, it's telling that there wasn't a lot of coverage of the Wall Street Journal's article here uh, about McKee. It's, it's almost like the news media knows they don't want to give ammunition because what they really care about are all the social issues and abortion and, and all identity politics. And so they can't let the Republican Party get away with saying we're the party opposing the soccer stadium. We're the party of better governance because then if they do that, then they then they risk letting Republicans get more leverage and maybe then they'll go after those social issues that really, really matter to the journalists and the Democrats and progressives. And so I think that's a, that's a big, a big problem. And then, I mean, there's another issue we talk about frequently is who on the Republican side is is you know, from, from a business background or a competence background wants to step into this. That's, I think, what it would take, not only just saying, hey, this is a terrible article in the Wall Street Journal and McKee's doing bad things, but saying, I'm the person who, as governor, can fix this and I bring my experience to bear and I, should, I can make a reasonable claim at, at this. That person is not emerging because, well, first of all, the it's it's very difficult to be a Republican in the state. You're, you're attacked by all sides, your own allies as well. There's no way to keep everybody in line. But then you just become the the go-to punching bag for everybody in the state. Oh, Ron DeSantis said something in Florida. What do you think of that uh, person running for governor in Rhode Island? You know, that kind of thing. So I, there's just no reason for those people who could give the Republican Party's complaints about justified complaints about these things give it some kind of teeth and some kind of political momentum it's just it, this the deck is too too stacked against them folks again our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz managing editor anchorising.com well justin the uh, number of candidates continue to uh file for cd1 i think it's interesting that mark patinkin who's still doing a column for the providence journal um, suddenly thought like, oh, okay, there's a name I recognize. I think I'll do a piece on Arlene Violet, who was mentioning at age 79, she's not ready for pickleball in Florida and so forth. A um, couple more people. I think some of the bigger ones to watch, I think this business of whether or not if, if Aaron Ruggenberg 
is in fact going to run. There's a number of people that just throw their name in. I don't understand some of these individuals that, you know, they, they maybe ran for an office and lost, but then somehow think that they can pull this off. But again, people have different motivations. But the, the, the window is definitely narrowing. You have to announce by, by June. So there's definitely going to be uh, some kind of play. I think the, the possibility of one of the mayors of Pawtucket, uh, Grabian, or De Silva of, of East Providence, I think that's uh, an interesting dynamic. But I'm just curious some of your thoughts on where things stand. We still don't have... Uh, a true uh, Republican candidate who's running. I know Aaron Gukian who would run for lieutenant governor, and I think he wisely chose not to. He doesn't live in the district. Um, you don't want to run again and lose. But I'm just curious, um, what, what are your latest thoughts on the, the race to take the Cicilline seat for CD1? Well, one of the things I find interesting, and this got some airing with, with uh, Brown Professor Wendy Schiller and Jim Hummel on, on PBS, was uh, the, uh, this idea that oh, it really ought to be a woman and a woman of color, preferably, because that, that's what we really need. Uh, and I think that there's a, there's a growing, growing call for that kind of leverage. And I think we, you see that in some of the kinds of people who are putting their names in, is they're saying, I, I fit the profile, so I'm going to run. And I, I think that's a very, I, I, that to me is a very kind of dangerous attitude to have that we're electing people based on those sorts of demographics. I mean, if, if the best person is a minority woman, great, that's, that's wonderful. But to, to pick the person, to pick the, to pick the profile and then try to elect somebody to, who fits it just strikes me as, as, as very, very wrong and, and destructive. But that, that will make things a little bit interesting as, say, Aaron Regenberg ramps up and tries to get into the race. What will happen to his progressive base of support is possible that that could be split, which I think leads to somebody could sneak in that the gap like in Arlene Violet. But I think, as you said, particularly in the Democrat primary, by the time they get to the election, they'll they'll close up ranks and vote for the, the Democrat one way or another. But I think that that is an interesting possibility, although I haven't seen anybody other than, I guess, Arlene, who could who could really march through there. Although, I mean, you raised some of the mayors, a practical, a practical mayor could potentially you know, take advantage of of a division between the identity politics progressives and somebody like Aaron Regenberg, who's more an establishment progressive. Um, now, just touching on since you you saw it and I did not on Lively, I think that's interesting. Were they saying that that is what the voters want, or Hummel and Wendy Schiller of Brown University, or were they almost kind of announcing that this time around, here's who the person should be? Well, I, my impression is it was mostly Wendy Schiller saying, in my opinion, you know, this is what it ought to be. You know, there's a, there's oh, a okay. strong, strong desire for this across the country. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like I don't it wasn't analysis like I that I think we're going to get this. I think it's, it's much more. This is what for, for the sake of justice. This is what we ought to be. Schiller said basically that um, a woman of woman of color could represent everybody but there's i forget the phrase she used it was, it was kind of one of those progressive phrases that makes goose pimples stand up on my arms but it is like, she could she, her very presence would would be very important to certain people who feel unrep, underrepresented that kind of thing but but she could still represent everybody else and so it was it was really that kind of more academic this is this is where we ought to go rather than an analysis of this is what the polls are showing this is who should who who's, looks I like see. they're going to win justin do you justin catch do you see a lane for a republican to and run a campaign that could win that seat you know i i i don't know i i think there could be um I mean, maybe somebody like if I, I, he probably doesn't want to give it another shot, but somebody in a similar role to Alan Fung or similar similar position okay. could potentially do that. If if you get this division among the Democrats, the bad blood between, say, Aaron Regenberg running against all the, the identity politics folks um, that could split the Democrats. Still, it's a very, very they, they've got people in the media. Uh, age them. Anything that happens anywhere in the country, uh, Tennessee, the, they eject some people from their from their legislature 
you can't vote for Republicans in Rhode Island. A judge in Texas rules against and uh, puts a hold on FDA approval of uh, abortion pills. Oh, you can't vote for Republicans in Rhode Island. I mean, they, they, they beat that drum so effectively and the media lets them get away with it and, and let, it joins into it. So I, it makes it very, very difficult. You know, I do like the fact is this Jamestown businessman, and I don't know anything about him, Donald Carlson, but I do like the fact that this CD1 race would just come out who's not part of the insiders, doesn't know anyone anything. Uh, he is a white male, but again, I know nothing about his beliefs or background, but I do like the fact that someone would kind of jump in and almost challenge the status quo, because I almost view the party right now, whether it's that of Sabina Matos, and it's, it's almost as if they feel like, all right, it's got to be our seat. Now it's just a matter of let's, you know, you know, horse trade here and let's decide who's going to get the seat. But first and foremost, it's going to be our seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we ought to have a lot more people saying, though, jumping in. And just, the fact that you're you're somebody on the Democrat side who, who ran for office or who held a, a legislative seat for a short period or as a mayor, that's not who's limited to Congress. Congress is supposed to be kind of like the House of Commons in, in England, right? It's, it's supposed to be anybody can get these seats. And so it's good to see people jump in. Although, I, you know, as I said, I'm not optimistic about anybody's chances of doing that. Right. Folks, again, our segment Politics This Week, he is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, excellent job as always. Uh, the McKee things and the controversies with the governor, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, he's um, He definitely right now, this could be a rough spring for Governor McKee, and we're going to talk about it. Folks, again, it's Justin Cass. Justin, great job, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, dePietro.com. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.